we can all agree that communication in any and every relationship is key. But for the step parent, we have to be an expert in this area. With our speech, we have the privilege of strengthening our relationships as well as protecting and affirming young minds that will take our words into their futures. But how often do we find ourselves mishandling this great opportunity? There's no doubt that our words have power, but are we using them for good or for something else? Welcome to Blended. I am your host, Jeremiah Wallace, and my goal is to see blended families thriving. If you are navigating this experience, then you're in the right place. This podcast is purposed to provide support, information, and the encouragement that we need to fulfill our family's potential. What is happening, Blenders? Hope you guys are doing great. We are toward the end of 2023. This year has flown just as the years before. It's insane. It's just like it's January one moment and then we're looking up and all of a sudden there are Christmas lights. It's strange. It is strange times. And I don't know if this is just a byproduct of getting old, but immediately after Halloween, I wanted to put up the Christmas lights. I wanted to get a Christmas tree, just go all in in that direction. It could be it could be maybe some of the heads hanging from trees in people's yards or just some of the the murder scenes that were present during the Halloween season. Maybe I just wanted to balance it out, but I had a burning desire like never before to go all in with Christmas even before Thanksgiving, which is very strange for me. I don't know what's happening. I'll I'll take some prayer, (laughs) but this could just be what getting old is all about. I'm for it. I'll take it. On to the subject matter. Today's episode will be the last of the brief series of the qualities of a step parent, the qualities that make for an individual that will be well equipped to step into the role. And as I've mentioned in previous episodes, we do not assume this role having fully developed all of these skills. We're kind of in a Build-A-Bear scenario where we are constantly growing, developing, learning, failing, succeeding, and that cycle continues. And if we are willing to do some hard things and we put ourselves in a position to succeed both personally as well as for the sake of our family and we remain in that position, then we will see the fruit of our efforts. These very qualities that I have mentioned, we'll see them grow up, we'll see them mature, and they will likely end up being some of our greater strengths. So regardless of where you are at, just know that it can get better. And I've found that the quality that we will be touching on today has been vital as long as I've functioned in this capacity as a step parent to the point where I can tangibly recognize the difference in when this quality was underdeveloped versus the present moment as I have grown this skill over time. The difference is pretty incredible, and I'm only continuing to grow in this area, but we will be speaking on functioning as expert communicators. That is an essential quality for step parents. 
And as we likely already know, communication is essential in every aspect of our relationships. Without communication, there is no relationship and communication tends to dictate the state of our relationship. So it's it's just super important. And being an expert communicator, I know it sounds <laughs> a little dramatic, but we are kind of forced into this quality within this role. There are so many moving pieces. There are so many things that are both within and outside of our control and our ability to communicate our personal experience, the things that are happening around us and the ability to tailor our communication depending on who it is that we're speaking to. And there's so much more. And it's just very apparent that communication is an important asset that is used for the strengthening, the fortification of our blended family. So if you were to show me or point me toward a marital relationship that is struggling, I can assure you that communication is an issue. If there is a child to parent relationship, whether it's the biological or it's a step parent to child relationship, if there are issues there, then I can assure you then there is an issue or a disconnect that has transpired in the area of communication. And on the other hand, if you show me a relationship that is genuinely thriving, then I can assure you that communication is working well. They can see one another as they are. They can support one another effectively. And that is large in part due to effective and profitable communication. And I, I feel it's important to note that this specific skill is tied to some of the subjects we touched on in the previous episodes of qualities of a step parent. Again, we touched on step parents having to be emotionally stable, and we also touched on the will to fight. And communication is actually an extension of those qualities. So if you haven't yet listened to those episodes, Please do so, but imagine an emotionally stable person and how they conduct themselves concerning illustrating a point and how they're speaking to people. It's very different from someone who is standing on instability and insecurity in the way that they are going to profess their thoughts and their feelings. Also concerning the will to fight, I touched on picking your spots. An important aspect of communicating well is knowing when you should be speaking, knowing when you should share a certain point, how you should share it, with what tone you should be speaking. And this is there's so many facets when it comes to communication. It's kind of insane, but that's why I'm touching on this topic in particular. We have to be expert communicators as step parents. And this does not mean that we have to be perfect. This does not mean that we carry the load of communication while everybody else is like a fish out of water, just allowing whatever to just flop out of their mouths. That's not the case. The hope is that we as a married couple, we are communicating well with one another and we are raising up children in such a way that they are also able to communicate well to us, their peers, and they are going to grow in that ability. And some of us have experienced both ends where we've visited a family or friend or something like that. And we're in that space. We're in that home. And we 
recognize, we witness the literal communication between spouses, between children and whatnot. And you recognize disorder like this is wild that this is happening, whether we're talking about yelling or cursing or passive aggressive remarks and all of it's kind of just commonplace. That's crazy. And then there are other environments where communication is happening well. It happens tactfully. It happens with care and respect as well as assertion. I absolutely love when a parent looks at their child who is having some type of tantrum or they're falling apart and the parent is just being graceful, but they're also looking at that child in the eye, essentially communicating, hey, if you don't stop this. I am going to terrorize you when we get hope. So get it together. And that is all said. It is all communicated both verbally as they are asking the child to please stop as well as through the tense glare that's transpiring. I can respect that method. I I practice the same. So communication is obviously super important. It is huge. It is gigantic. It sets the pace for the condition of our family, the state of our relationships, and it has much to do with our personal well-being as well. Our ability to communicate our thoughts, ideas, plans, feelings, dreams, and everything in between. And one last example that I wanted to give as far as the frustration that a child experiences as they are attempting to communicate with us, but they don't necessarily have the words to do so. They have this idea, they have this experience, they have the picture in their mind, and yet they don't have the words or the ability to sequence them in such a way where we can receive the information and see what they're seeing, experience what they're experiencing. And there are so many adults that have this same frustration because they are unfamiliar with communicating well. Whether it is a matter of sequencing their communication, their tone, they're just so used to some form of dysfunction and therefore they've adopted it. And there's this is just an area of struggle. There are also adults who were spoiled as children, so they didn't have to do much communicating to receive what it is that they wanted or needed. They were just provided for tantrums were okay and now they enter into this uh, scenario where they are occupying a role within a family and the lack of practice concerning communication is catching up with them tantrums and meltdowns are no longer producing the rewards that they grew familiar with and for many that experience sounds foreign but there are so many individuals that are experiencing this very condition, this state of their ability to communicate. And it's just important that we break those strongholds so that we can become the expert communicators that we need to be for our families. And during this episode, I wanted to touch on two aspects of communication. Number one being the quantity of our words. And I also want to touch on the quality of our words in communication. But before we get into that goodness, I have a bit of a confession. I do not have the healthiest relationship with caffeine, specifically energy drinks. It's gotten to a point where there's more of an emotional and mental dependence than there is an actual increase in my productivity. But I have found a solution to this problem. It's called Magic Mind. 
It has helped so much when it comes to focus and mental clarity. And with its natural ingredients such as matcha, ashwagandha, and lion's mane, I get all the perks of an energy drink without having to experience the crash or the overstimulation that comes from consuming too much caffeine. This stuff is only going to get more popular, so be the cool guy in the room and be the first to know about it. Take advantage by going to www.magicmind.com slash blended and use the discount code blended20 for up to 56% off of your subscription for some magic in a bottle. The stuff works, people. All right. We are touching on the quantity of our words. I'm going to be referencing a lot of scripture because there's some good stuff in the Bible, specifically Proverbs concerning quantity of our words about our communication. And obviously quantity references the amount of our words. How often are we speaking or how frequently do we find ourselves practicing or exercising some form of communication. And I want you to know that being an expert communicator does not mean talking too much. It does not mean constantly expressing ourselves, sharing an idea. Expert communicators, again, they are able to pick their spots. So I'm going to go ahead and read a few verses. In Proverbs 17, 27, it reads, He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is a calm spirit. Proverbs 29, 20 reads, Do you see a man hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. I'm going to read Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. That's wild that the Bible says, shut up. (laughs) That's crazy. That's awesome. If I were to share that with my kids, then they would have freedom or they'd feel they had freedom to like say that. Like, you know, the Lord told me to tell you to shut up. So we'll keep that one hidden until they grow a little bit. Um, In Proverbs 13, three, it reads, he who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. So those verses talk about the benefit of a man or woman who speaks sparingly or who communicates with tact. The Bible references that individual as a person who has knowledge. And then on the other end, the person that is quick to constantly speak and spew out whatever is referred to as a fool. And the amount of communication is equated to the likelihood of getting into trouble. So if you feel like you are surrounded by drama, for some reason, you find yourself in these disputes, whether you're having issues with people or people are having issues with you. I think it's important to look back at ourselves and like check our mouths. How often are we talking about things that don't need to be talked about? How often are we communicating with people in a way that is not beneficial for them or for us? And the communication also references what it is that we're meditating on. There is a portion of my listeners, just the population in general, that doesn't necessarily provoke any type of drama or you don't say things to an individual, but, but you have thoughts, constant negative thoughts toward a certain person. You're communicating with yourself, essentially. 
And therefore, your perspective is shaped in such a way where there is just disdain that you have toward a certain person. And they don't have to do much to affirm the negative thoughts and feelings that are constantly rummaging through your brain. That's the communication that we tend to have with ourselves. And I am also a culprit as far as negative thoughts and feelings toward a person. And guys, let's get all the way real. This can be toward our children as well, toward our stepchildren, constantly ruminating on their missteps, on their mistakes, on their inability to listen, or their just absolute rejection of your support. And therefore, there's this brewing of negativity, and we just have to check it. We cannot communicate to ourselves about them in such a way. And there's also the communication that we have with our spouse. We obviously recognize them as our safe place. And it's like, well, at least I'm not kind of spewing this stuff or saying these negative things in public. Nonetheless, it's important for us to watch our mouths and be mindful of what it is that we are saying, how we're saying of whom we're talking about to our spouses as well. And I honestly believe that there are a lot of step parents that are putting their spouses in a really difficult place because they're bashing the child, their stepchild, their uh, partner's biological child. And yes, there is some truth to the issues that they're experiencing with the child, but it puts them in such a difficult place and it, it causes heartache because you love the person that you have married and you also that 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 spouse, that individual loves their child. So it really puts them in a tough spot. And how who am I supposed to support? In this situation, it almost feels like it's a lose lose no matter what choice they make. And that person is placed in this position primarily because of the way in which their partner is communicating about the scenario. And we'll touch more on this when we address the quality of our words, but they have power. The way that we communicate shapes not just our perspective, but the ideas of others, and it sets the tone for our family. So as I recall those scriptures that I went through, most of us, we just talk too much. Like we just we just need to shut up. (laughs) We need to shut up more often because so often we are quick to speak. But if we were to just allow this thought or this feeling to just rest for a 24 hour period, it's likely that our thoughts and feelings would change. We can't be so quick to legitimize our internal experience and put it out there for other people to receive in some type of way. Even if we're convinced that we have a solution that serves everyone's best interest, there are so many times where I want to support my children and I have the answer. I got it. I got it. Let me give it to you and let me change your life for the better. But I've learned over a period of years that oftentimes they have to go through that on their own. They have to be ready to come to me and ask the question as far as what they should do or how they should handle a certain situation. Early on, I would be quick to shoot out some advice when I recognized something, but I realized that sometimes it was to their detriment. Most of the time, they just weren't in a position to receive it, but there were times where it actually hurt them because they were in no position to receive that information, regardless of whether I was doing it from a place of love and support or not. 
And something else to be mindful of concerning the quantity of our words and the speed of our speech, the quickness with which we are ready to just share whatever. This also points to a quickness to formulate an opinion and judgments. In other words, the quicker we are to speak, the more likely we are to judge things prematurely. And this is why the people that speak the most tend to be gossipers. I just call some people out. Oh, that was uncomfortable. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm just speaking the truth, people. The individuals that are the quickest to speak are likely to be gossipers. And gossipers are super quick to cast judgment on other people's experience or the state of their being. And judgment is closely associated with pride. That's what it stems from. And it's just this cycle that proceeds and it causes a ton of harm. So I'll break down that formula one more time so that I know it's not you. Of course, it's not the listener. This is the person that, you know, this is like a sibling. This is this is somebody, a coworker, somebody across the way. It, there's no way it is you. <laughs> but I'm going to break down the formula one more time. The quantity and the speed of our speech is tied to us formulating opinions and judgment quickly. And those that cast those judgments and opinions are likely gossipers. And gossiping has a strong relationship with pride as people feel they have the right and the authority to assess the experience of other people. They're essentially putting themselves on a higher tier than other individuals. I am just the messenger, people. This is this is real life. So addressing the quantity of our words is important. Now, let's go on to the quality of our words. I'm going to read a verse from the book of Colossians. It's in chapter four, verse six. It says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And I wanted to focus specifically on the reference of our speech being seasoned with salt. Back in the day, salt had a couple of functions, one being it was a preservative and the other it was, as we know today, a flavor enhancer. So I'm assuming most of us listening know that refrigerators had not always existed And I'm so grateful that they do today, but their primary job is to preserve our food. And that's something that salt did. It functioned as a mold inhibitor and it would keep food fresh over time. And I believe our words are equated to salt intentionally because they also function as preservatives, meaning our words, the way that we communicate is also supposed to provide protection. And this is because the words that we use, the way that we talk to people will likely become the truth that they hold on to. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone tell stories about something that they were told or words that were spoken over them over an extended period of time that ended up shaping their lives. And this would happen for better or for worse. And many of us can relate. We can probably recall those moments where we received that praise. And for some reason in that moment, it just hit different. It resonated with us in such a way that our perspectives were changed. The way that we approached a certain something 
was shifted. And we've likely also had the very opposite experience in words that were expressed over us, shared with us, that broke us. And we may hold on to them at this very moment. Again, they shape the way that we conduct ourselves in this world, in life, and they have corrupted our perspective, whether we know it or not. And the crazy part is the person that actually said those words, they tend to be oblivious as to the impact that they had on the life of the individual whose perspective has been shaped by those very words. And that points to how we cannot afford to be careless with whatever it is that's coming out of our mouth. And while me and my wife are by no means perfect, we recognize the power of our words and the fact that they serve as protection for our girls. So we tell them they're beautiful. We tell them they're smart. We tell them that they have gifts and talents. And the other day, I was just out of nowhere. I was just grateful of the fact that we freely and openly say that we love each other. So those are the truths that fortify our girls that are going to preserve them because they will step into scenarios, hopefully not relationships, but stuff happens. They will find themselves in a position where those things will be tested or there will be people that will try to debunk those truths, tell them that they are not beautiful, tell them that they are not smart, tell them that they are not loved. However, our words functioning as salt preserve our girls in the truth of who they are along with their strengths and their abilities and that's because their fortification is very much dependent on the way that we communicate with them my wife and i are familiar with otherwise in the homes that we grew up in and it may not have been all bad but again there are just these moments there are these exchanges that take place and then we hold on to it and again, while we're not <laughs> while we're not perfect, my girls are leaving our home at some point with lowercase t trauma. OK, <laughs> because as as much as I strive to be a great dad, I have made some mistakes. So my hope is lowercase t trauma. <laughs> but I recognize that my words will be kept. They will be held on to well beyond this experience under my leadership and in our home. And my hope is that some of those words keep them and can serve as protection or an anchor during the trials to come in the future. And salt also functions as a flavor enhancer. So what should our speech do? It should enhance things. It should improve things. It should make things better, strengthen things and provide affirmation. The way that we communicate should not incite reactions or cause harm. And that's why it's important for us to be emotionally stable, because when we are feeling insecure and unstable, we are likely to lash out. We are less likely to tame our tongue in such a state. And I'm not saying that we can't be a little rough sometimes because situations may require that discomfort and challenge is okay even if it's not well received we determine whether it's necessary and if it's what we got to do it is what we do but harm results in self-esteem being damaged as people feel smaller or less valuable and relationships are then strained that can be the result of us being a little too salty when it comes to our words and the way that we speak to people 
And some of us have experienced taking a bite of that, that steak and it's just, it is just over seasoned. It's way too salty. It's almost like, golly, I, I now have diabetes <laughs> in this moment. That's when I adopted it. And that's not what we want. We don't want to be over salting thing. We don't want to speak too much. As I mentioned, that references the quantity but that steak that is seasoned perfectly, oh gosh, oh my gosh, you fall in love all the more with the person or the restaurant that prepared the meal to the point where you are going back for more. So the way that we communicate should be aimed at enhancing and providing more life. So we should be intentional about providing affirmation, recognizing good works, praise, whether it's earned or not for our children as well as for our spouse. And there should be a steady dosage of this over time. There should be a consistent flow of words that edify and strengthen those around us. So our communication is relative to salt in that it preserves and it also enhances. But before this episode is up, I want to touch on the power of our words. I'm going to read from the scripture, Matthew 15, 11. It says, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. And this was Jesus speaking to his disciples. And it was important for him to share this message because he was talking to Jewish people and based on their customs, the way in which they ate, their belief was that the things that they ate defiled them and they placed much attention and emphasis on whatever it is that they were eating. But Jesus wanted to make the point that although, yes, it is important that you are mindful of what you're putting in your mouth and what you're consuming, you should be all the more intentional about the things that are coming out of your mouth, because that is actually what defiles a man. And really quick, I wanted to go over the definition of defile and, and what it means is to sully, to mar or to spoil. And this isn't referencing the words that are coming out of their mouth as far as who is receiving the consequence. It is the individual themselves. The person is being sullied. The person is being marred. They are being spoiled by the things that they are saying. And defilement comes from the intent of our speech. Like, what is the point? What is it that you are trying to achieve on the other side of whatever it is you're communicating, as well as what our words consist of? And cursing in particular is an apparent example of a way that we defile ourselves. And I'm guys, I am preaching to the choir. There are moments in great frustration where there are some words that come out of my mouth. I know it does not serve me or this situation. It is an expression of frustration, but I'm not right for doing so. I understand the consequence to a degree of what it is that's happening. It's not helpful. And I wanted to look up the definition of cursing, and it's a solemn utterance intended to invoke a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or something. And many of us, when we read that definition, we think of like casting spells or something like that, some form of someone doing some type of weird, terrible magic or something. But no, that is simply referencing cursing. 
And whether we agree with that definition or not, that is essentially what cursing achieves. I believe I brought it up before, but my family and I, we did a a test of positive words versus negative ones. We had an apple that I cut in half. We put them in two separate Ziploc bags. And I believe for almost a three week period, we would say positive things to one half of the apple and negative things to the other half. And the results were wild. It was crazy. It was super apparent that the apple that was receiving the positive words was spoiling, but it was still very much being preserved and it had some of its natural color and it was darkening a little bit. But it was a night and day difference between that half and the other half. The other half had blackened and there was even some green stuff in there. And when I actually touched the both of them, that's when the power of the words became like very apparent. The half that was receiving the positive words still had life in it, still had juice in it. But the other half that was getting the negative words was hollow. As soon as I touched it, I could pretty much take my finger to the very opposite end of the apple. So when I think of cursing, invoking a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment, it's very apparent based on what was transpiring with the second half of that apple that that's exactly what was happening. One half was receiving words of life and affirmation, and the other was receiving words of negativity, cursing, and therefore death. And it says in Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And I believe that object lesson that we had as a family was just a small taste of that scripture coming to fruition. And concerning being an expert communicator, I'm not sure why I feel the need to place so much emphasis on cursing in particular, but I do believe that it is an issue that is too often overlooked or simply downplayed. And an important aspect of communicating well is also what it is that we are entertaining or receiving. So if we are in the midst of or we're saturated in music that's consisting of cursing or all other types of debauchery, then we can't necessarily expect to communicate well and in a fashion that gives life to those around us. If we make this type of speech commonplace, then that's what it will be within our homes. And each of us personally will suffer as a result. And something I felt interesting to note is the fact that where there is violence, there is always cursing. But where there is cursing, room is made for violence. So in a nutshell, we just need to watch our mouth, people. (laughs) The benefit of being an expert communicator does such a service for our families. But in order to get there, we have to be willing to slow down our speech so that we can be tactful and effective in the way that we communicate. And we also want our words to serve as protection and to give life to those that we're sharing them with, even the people that we are not big fans of. Let's not defile ourselves or compromise the state of our families for the sake of other people. Let life and blessings come out of your mouth and see what happens. You guys are amazing. Congratulations on improving your communication skills. (laughs) We'll talk soon, people.
Peace. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you heard something throughout the episode that could make all the difference. Please take a moment to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of that blended goodness. Episodes are up and running on the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. Until then, do not settle for anything less than what's possible.